0: You're listening to a podcast by the BCG Henderson Institute, BCG's Think Tank. In this series, hosted by fellow Dave Young, we'll interview business leaders and explore how companies can build competitive advantage by creating a sustainable world. Now on to our episode.
1: Mark, thanks very much for joining us today. I think this will be fascinating for our listeners uh, to understand a very different lens on the theme we have, which is building competitive advantage in a sustainable world. And of course, investors are an incredibly important part of shaping. So it's wonderful to have you join us, Mark. If you wouldn't mind, just please introduce yourself to our listeners. You have an incredible background, which I think you best tell the story of, and your personal journey to this point in this perspective now.
0: Well, uh, thanks, David, and I'm delighted to be here today. I started as a uh, professional student. It took me uh, four degrees before I got a real job. Uh, And then I spent some time as a mergers and acquisitions lawyer on Wall Street. I got into the investment world uh, just over 20 years ago, first with a small private equity firm, and then I found myself as a Canadian working with the Canadian Pension Plan system. So I spent about four years with the Ontario Teachers Pension Plan, and then just over a decade at the Canada Pension Plan Investment Board. Uh, The last four years of which uh, there, I was uh, the CEO. And then about the same time, uh, four years uh, at BlackRock until last year. So at the time, I believe you were a
1: global head of equities at BlackRock, among the several other roles you had. And this was when BlackRock made it very clear its expectations for companies to deliver both shareholder returns and improve the well-being of their fellow citizens through a sense of purpose.
0: How did you arrive at that? The importance of purpose wasn't new, but it was really articulated in Larry's annual, Larry Fink, CEO and founder of BlackRock's annual letter to companies, which he started doing about five, five years ago. And I think it was his third letter that he articulated this very clearly, I think, this idea of the importance of purpose in a company. It was very measured. It was not off the cuff. And it's something that actually, I think, accumulated over several years of thinking and, and debate and discussion among Larry and, and his colleagues, of which I was one, I think the importance of purpose can be misconstrued, at least in my view. And in my view, it's not about being a do-gooder just for the sake of being a do-gooder. Right. I think what became very clear to me and, and others is that companies that demonstrate a clear sense of purpose are companies that will be the outperformers in the market. They'll be companies that will have longevity. They will be companies that not just will sort of show a return over a short period of time. There's something about them that allows them to endure and to outperform in their business for a much longer time than others. And I think What we discovered at BlackRock and believed, and I continue to believe, that having a sense of purpose is a really important part of that. If I can give you an example, not from BlackRock, but from my days at the Canada Pension Plan Investment Board, that sense of purpose was really clearly a competitive advantage for us. We were, for those who don't know what the Canada Pension Plan Investment Board is, it's the organization, the asset manager that manages the reserve fund of the national pension in Canada. So there's about 20 million people who are the beneficiaries of those monies that are, are managed by CPPIB. And while there, we discovered that actually purpose could set us apart it would get discretionary effort from our employees. We had a higher degree of retention. We were able to attract talent, people who wanted to come work for us. And in that business, the quality of the brains that you can attract and retain in your business is your competitive advantage. And because we had a sense of purpose, why we were there, what we were doing, I mean, it really created something very different in terms of the type of talent we could attract, often below market value, frankly. How that talent worked together and just how people felt about getting out bed and going to work in the morning.
1: That's fascinating to sort of hear that as a business case around purpose. And I think it seems to be more and more companies are, are resonating to that business case, seeing it in their own businesses. You know, we're starting to see the same thing more broadly on sustainability as well. Could you talk more about the major shifts you've seen over time and the role sustainability now plays in investment decisions?
0: Well, I think what we're seeing, it actually is a sort of continuum of the idea of purpose. Companies that have a clear purpose are companies that will outperform. They'll do better at ultimately delivering shareholder value in the long run. And I think what we're starting to understand more and more is that there's this convergence. And the convergence, the way that I put it, we've talked about this uh, many times, is a convergence of values and value. Companies that have good values are companies that will have more value in the long run. They are simply better managed, better run, take a holistic approach to their business, and therefore are able to deliver, not just for the society in which they operate, not just for all stakeholders, but also deliver value for shareholders. And as you go more long-term, it becomes clearer and clearer that this concept of values and value converge, and it becomes clear that ESG factors, environmental, social, and governance factors, end up being priced in to the value of an entity. I give a very simple example of this. My office in Manhattan used to look over the Hudson River. There's a warehouse that I could see from my office window. And I said, if you're a short-term investor and you are thinking about buying that warehouse, You probably don't care much about climate change. But if you're a long-term investor, you better care about climate change because your investment will literally be underwater if we have a two degree rise in temperature and a corresponding rise in sea level. So Mark, this is
1: all about long-term value from an investor perspective, getting it right for the long term.
0: I think it is, but getting it right for the long-term, we often think about being long-term as simply to set it and forget it. It doesn't mean that you don't have constant adjustment and constant change and constant reevaluation of those factors. And as it relates to sustainability, I think what's happened is we're starting to see an evolution, an evolution to this approach of integration. Early days, sustainability or ESG investing was all about screening right? We will simply screen out those companies in our portfolio that don't have the characteristics that we happen to like or we happen to believe in. But we've moved a long way from there. And today, the best investors are fundamentally changing their investment processes to start integrating non-financial metrics including things related to the environment, including things related to employee satisfaction, including governance, into our valuation models. And what we see is, as you take that longer-term approach, those things start to matter, and we can actually have an increasingly predictive outcome in terms of understanding that companies that get those things right or do a good job with it are companies that will be more valuable in the future so the best investors today are recognizing they have to integrate these factors into their investment process it doesn't mean they should ignore quality of earnings or ebitda or the nature of the market in which the company operates but it's another important set of inputs that need to go into that investment decision making process it has to be fully integrated and esg has to be owned by the investment professionals, by the portfolio managers, the same way that they own the quality of earnings or the financial statements or the strategy of the companies that they invest in.
1: And Mark, it sounds like so much of this hinges on the disclosure, the reporting, the new metrics, the new flows of information. Maybe talk a little bit about that and why that whole ecosystem becomes so important to driving progress in this area.
0: Think about a world of investing before there was GAP or IFRS, and you were trying to compare companies and understand their financial statements, understand their revenues. Over time, regulation came in and said, look, if you want to be listed on a stock exchange, or if you want to distribute securities to the public there's certain requirements in terms of how you have to display and disclose your financial information so that the investor can have an idea what's going on inside the company and can make a fully informed decision and compare you one against another we're sort of still today as it relates to non-financial information related to sustainability a little bit in the Wild West We don't have a single standard. We don't have a single way of reporting. Now, it's coming together very quickly because people are realizing that this information is really important. Investors are demanding that they get more of this information so that they can make the types of decisions that we were talking about. And companies are requesting, because it's hard for them as well, a set of common disclosure requirements so that they can give those investors what they want. So having really good data, having really good information, having transparency into these factors, the same way that we have transparency into financial information is becoming the most important issue in terms of integrating environmental, social, and governance factors into that investment process. So we're starting to see because there's pressure from, I believe because there's pressure from investors, and from corporations. We're starting to see these groups come together and some degree of standardization coming out of the woodwork, which I think is really important.
1: If I'm a company with all of this going on around me, what do I have to do right now to show that I'm getting this, to help investors fully understand my contributions on the ESG front? What do I need to do as a company?
0: Many companies, if not most companies, are doing an increasingly good job at this, but understanding that issues around sustainability are actually critical to the long-term value of the enterprise. And so the first thing is companies have to really start thinking about this, not as an afterthought, but how it's integral to their long-term business strategy. Second, they then have to be able to measure their progress against that strategy, And hold themselves accountable and roll the board and the role of shareholders to hold companies accountable. And then finally, companies have to be able to clearly articulate it and communicate it to shareholders. If you can't explain what your business is to a shareholder or a potential shareholder, they're probably not going to invest. If you can't explain what your strategy is as it relates to sustainability, then investors are unlikely to invest. So to me, it's having a clear objective, measuring that objective, and then communicating both the strategy and outcomes against it. And by the way, this all sounds kind of new, but it's what business leaders have been doing for decades, just not on these metrics.
1: Mark, I think what you're saying is so impactful that it's These same skills, these same muscles that we've used as executives for years about target setting and telling the story and showing the metrics and drawing the line between what we're doing and why it creates value for shareholders, it sounds like those same muscles simply need to be applied now to this new period using the suite of measures that best illustrate how the company is making progress on ESG factors. But more importantly, it's also why progress on those ESG factors are meaningful to the performance of the company and the quality of the business over time.
0: This is, to me, the next trend. Every company, it doesn't matter what you do. This isn't just about companies that are building solar panels or windmills. Every company, sustainability is going to affect it. And therefore, it's incumbent on you as a corporate leader, in my view, to have a strategy that will allow your business, hopefully, to benefit from this and position itself to benefit from this revolution. So Mark,
1: proactive or reactive here? If I'm a corporation, do I wait for the investors to start asking me about this? Or is it better for me today to begin to talk about this?
0: Well, that's a setup question. You can't wait. This is not going away. This is not a fad. This is a new reality. You know, if you think it's going away, then you probably also thought the internet was a fad and was going to go away as well. It's not. And so you better get with the program quickly and you better figure out how this is going to affect your business and the market in which you operate. And ideally, figure out how you're going to be able to use it to your advantage to maximize value by having the right values proposition figure out how you're going to be able to use that uh, to maximize the value of your enterprise
1: very good mark where are we going to be five years from now
0: i'm an optimist david i think five years from now that companies will have clear goals and objectives around sustainability i'd like to hope that investors are much better equipped both because of information that's available but their own skill sets to evaluate companies on factors that affect sustainability and i hope if that happens we'll also be on our way to creating a better world i believe in the markets i believe that the markets properly directed with the right type of leadership do lead in most instances to better outcomes for society this idea of transition finance taking firms that need to transition particularly as it relates to greenhouse gases i think that we're going to start to see that this is probably not a burden but instead um, the investment opportunity potentially of a generation so i'm i'm an optimist i think that we will make a difference in the way that companies are run i think it'll be hopefully better for consumers i hope it'll be better for employees I hope it will be better for society overall. We're going to need regulation. We're going to need the role of government to help move some of those external costs internal to enterprises. But I think if we can do those few small regulatory things right, the market will do the rest.
1: Mark Weissman, thank you so much. You've challenged us and you've also left us hopeful here in the way that capital and companies can make a difference as we move into a more sustainable world, bringing advantage to finance, as well as advantage to the way companies compete. So thank you very much, Mark.
0: Thanks, David. Great to be here with you. This podcast was part of our series on building competitive advantage in a sustainable world. For more information about this and other research topics, follow the BCG Henderson Institute's research online at bcghendersoninstitute.com and follow our podcast series on Spotify and Apple Podcasts.